bandwidth for JS Party is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. So we're here with Alex Sexton. This is part of the kickoff shows for JS Party. We're excited about the show because a lot of planning, a lot of fun's going into this. But, uh, you know, Alex, when Michael mentioned you as one of the potential hosts and then you agreed to participate, Jared and I, we were, we were pretty excited. Jared. What did you think, Jared? We were pretty excited? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was telling, I can't remember who I was telling, but I was saying to somebody that uh, the name JS Party was partially inspired by a show that you used to do, Alex, which was Yay Query, which was a, uh, a fun show that I enjoyed briefly. And so uh, absolutely excited to have you on uh, the show that we're doing. So thanks so much for hosting with us and uh, welcome to JS Party. Glad to be on. So the, the point of these kind of pre-shows is to get to know uh, our three co-hosts, panelists a little bit. And so in, in that light, why don't you give uh, the audience a little bit of your backstory um, where you're coming from and how you got to be a co-host on JS Party. Sure. Uh, so I was born in, say, March of 1986. Uh, my mom, uh, okay, probably not that far back. I like uh, the fact that you're born in March. I mean, <laughs> we're kindred spirits then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was lying. About that. Oh, you were lying? Oh. <laughs> it wasn't March? No, okay, it's March. Okay, it's March. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know who to believe at this point. <laughs> That's uh, I, you know, I don't want to stealing my identity. <laughs> no, uh, let's see. Why well, I, uh, I know Michael from JSConf and NodeConf, so uh, we go kind of far back. We were both uh, kind of staff with Chris back in the day, pretty early uh, JSConf stuff. Maybe not the first one or two. Chris Williams. Chris Williams okay. uh, at JSConf, and then uh, I spun off and did. TXJS with Rebecca Murphy, um, and then Michael has done NodeConf, and so we've all kind of staffed each other's conferences and things I like that. I was at the first TXJS. I didn't know you were a part of that. Well, yeah, that was uh, the uh, Rebecca and I, as part of kind of yayquery uh, doing a conference. We wow. had done uh, North Carolina JS um, the the first time, and then I've run every TXJS since then uh, myself, um, but. Uh, I haven't had one in two years, so that's whatever. Is it going Anyways, back? Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll come back. I just had like babies and lived in San Francisco for a summer and, and those kinds of things. So it, right. it can be tough. But anyways, uh, that, that's how I know, know Michael. And I used to do a career with uh, Paul Irish, Adam Sontag, and Rebecca Murphy uh, back uh, in the days when jQuery was a little more popular. Not that that podcast was much about jQuery at all, but um, it was kind of a good basis for discussion uh, back in the day for general front-end uh, fun stuff. Um, I don't know. I've, I've been doing JavaScript, I think I figured out for like 12 years now, which is kind of crazy. Um, it's, it's it's a long time to to be doing anything. So J JavaScript is definitely what I've spent the, the bulk of my career working on. Um, and I, I worked at a few consultancies and then I worked at a place called Bizarre Voice, which was uh, kind of um, a a big job I had and now I work at Stripe. So that's, just, I guess the most interesting parts of my working history. And you've been uh, there Stripe, for a while now, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been at Stripe four for almost, almost four years yeah. now, which, which is a long time since. It's strange. Uh, I know is. that cause I don't really know you. So I'm kind of wondering <laughs> why I know that. No, that's creepy. Uh, that's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, Stripe, Stripe has been a pretty cool company to be a part of. Um, I work remotely from Austin, Texas. Um, and 
Stripe has grown quite a bit. Uh, and since I I don't work in the office every time I go back, I don't recognize anyone because it's growing so fast. But I know their Slack handles and such, so it usually works out. It works out, yeah. Um, I'm not sure exactly what you guys want me to know. I can, I can talk for a long time. So, so, uh, if you have specific questions about my passive, I think maybe that would be more courteous to the audience members who uh, have to listen to me speak. Well, let's just give a little bit of your, your JavaScript background. So like you said, you were uh, involved with jQuery. You're on the board of directors. Um, you also have a lot of work put into modernizer. So, uh, thank you for that. Maybe give your, your open source background some of the stuff that you're involved in, kind of like the, your angle into JavaScript. Um, so I, I went to, I think it was jQuery, it was the first jQuery conf because the ones before were jQuery camp. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess if, if you scroll even further back, uh, I joined the jQuery IRC channel on Freenode way back in the day. I don't, I don't remember how long ago. And mm-hmm. that's where I met Paul Irish and Rebecca Murphy and Adam Sontag, which eventually uh, turned into jQuery. Um, but we all decided to go to that conference together and that's where I met John Resig and, and all the different jQuery folks back then and kind of got involved in, in jQuery. Uh, I'm trying to remember when that would have been like 2008, 2009, something like that. Um, and then I, you know, we did some small commits. I wasn't on the team, but I, I was, I contributed for a long time. It was a goal of mine, I think some year, like my new year's resolution to contribute to a major open source project and, and jQuery kind of was that. And then eventually uh, I joined uh, the teams and then eventually became an advisor for the jQuery foundation. Once they became a foundation, that's a whole, its own whole story. Um, and, and then eventually became a full on uh, member of the board uh, until that board kind of dissolved uh, whenever it joined the Linux Foundation very recently. So that's kind of the, the whole arc in, in that I'm no longer uh, a member of the board of that, um, of, of the jQuery Foundation because of the new kind of setup, which I fully support. So, so I, I don't have a ton of code in jQuery, but that was certainly where I came up um, with, uh, came up in the open source world along with a lot of those people. Modernizer uh, was also written by someone in the jQuery RC channel originally, which it was, well, not not really, I guess. Uh, Farouk Atesh uh, wrote it, and um, Paul and uh, Ben Alman, who who has you know a couple plugins in the jQuery world, they decided that Modernizer needed to be rewritten to be better, and so they kind of rewrote it entirely, almost entirely, to be better. Uh, and I joined shortly after that. Ben didn't necessarily stick around uh, on the team, but Paul and I were pretty good friends at that point. I think we're at JSConf VU and. We were talking about how people load too much into their browsers. We were, you know, way ahead of our time. I think it's still the argument on Twitter. Um, but uh, so we, we decided to try to use feature detection in order to not load all the different uh, stuff. And that's kind of where YepNope came out of, which was a library I wrote um, kind of as an external library to Modernizer, but really just uh, it paired very well with Modernizer. The goal of YepNope was... Uh, you only load the code that uh, your the browser can even run or or use, rather than every uh, you know possible version of your code. Um, I've since killed that project because there are new, better techniques like use an HTTP two server and uh, use uh, the build tools that exist today to load bundles and 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 do things. But there are better tools, so I don't think 
in order asynchronous uh, loading of, of dependencies is, is always uh, the fastest thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other open source stuff, uh, probably my other most popular projects. Uh, there's one that's uh, this CSS color checker that is that got a lot of press in in like the tweets and and things but it actually doesn't do anything i don't think anyone uses it but it's a very popular project that everyone starred one time and then never used but i won't <laughs> talk about that too much um very big flash in the pan um the goal of it was kind of cool i mean we i think we we use it at stripe it was kind of like a warning at stripe to where like it, it came out of uh, an idea from an old nicole sullivan talk uh from I think the original TXJS where she was like, uh, you know, I consulted with Facebook to try to help them with their, you know, eight megabyte CSS file. And we went through and we found 82 different values for what Facebook blue was because everyone would just eyedropper the middle of the F in order to oh, try wow. to get the color and then, you know, paste it in, you know, and that was, that was how things worked back in the day. There weren't variables mm-hmm. or, or anything like that. And so, you know, they, they moved over to a system to where, they, you know, it was harder to make those types of mistakes. But mm-hmm. I still found that whenever you had the giant variables file, uh, people would get Facebook blue right because that one's easy. But they would get pretty much every other color wrong anyways because how do you know something's called deep background dash dash two mm. dash dash light x light or, you know, whatever crazy oh, yeah. variable ends up as a trying to be a generic name for uh, background of this specific modal or whatever how about grayer <laughs> gray More gray. Yeah. gray yes great um and so th- <laughs> i realized I, I said i won't talk about this plugin now i'm going very deep into it you are the, 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 i like it uh it's kind of a fun thing so so this thing just pulls out every color and it finds colors um that are different or are, are, are different than each other in value but that a human could not perceive the difference of um, within some some range, and so there's an algorithm for this, the CIED uh, E2000 algorithm. It's it's used in like compression. That way, they can you know use less colors and then be able to compress better. Um, and and so like the, the human can detect differences in blues differently than they can in reds and yellows. And so it's, it's somewhat complex algorithm. But someone actually already wrote that algorithm and put it in npm. So I did not I did not port that to JavaScript. I just used it in a post CSS plugin that that finds things that are like within a threshold and then says, Hey, these should probably just be the same color. Um, and and that's the whole, whole thing. The the actual value that I think I've added, um, since jQuery modernizer days is in internationalization tooling, which I got pretty deep into at the end of my time at bizarre voice and, and do a bunch of work on at, at Stripe as well. Uh, message format JS is something if you've ever used get text or try to do pluralization or uh, interpolation of variables into messages or, or text in your website, then then message format's a very good solution. It's a it's a standard, but it didn't really exist in JavaScript outside of uh, a few uh, Google things that were very googly that you couldn't get it out of. So I wrote the a parser for that as well as an implementation. There's another competing library, uh, React Intel, that we actually use at Stripe, and it uses uh, like my parser underlying kind of. Uh, it's it's kind of been changed a little bit since then. But so a lot of the internationalization tooling that people are using today actually kind of came out of some stuff that I did, uh, and and I think it's a very good solution. I, I would advocate for it very heavily. So Clearly. that's the only reason I talk about it. 
not necessarily because I did it. Uh, I, I really think that interna- internationalization is, is super under uh, valued and uh, the tooling is it needs you know years of work in order to get to get good. And that, the thing I wrote is just a, a very basic start to, to the ecosystem of tools that you would need to, to do that well. <laughs> How's that? That's uh, good. It's clearly, you got some opinions, which is great. I mean, that's the whole point of this show is just to kind of bring some different perspectives towards, you know, this JavaScript web platform landscape and discuss the various things that are going on, uh, both current events to a degree, then also some tried and true arguments that haven't been fleshed out enough or could use a diff- different perspectives. And so clearly you know, you're bringing some, some opinions here, but I'm curious why this show for you, like what, what exactly about the prospect of the show gets you excited? Um, I guess, uh, you, you picked up on the fact that I have opinions and, uh, when someone offers you a platform for advocating for those opinions, it, it's, it can be uh, tempting. I, I mean, uh, I'm very excited to do it. I, I think that Michael and Rachel also have very unique perspectives. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily excited for the listeners, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think they can make up their own minds. I'm, I'm not saying that, like, they're, they're going to be imbued with my opinions and then become better people or anything like that. But if, if listeners happen to find things valuable, then, then I think my excitement uh, will, will turn from potential excitement to, to real excitement, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if, if I'm skeptical just, then. Yeah. I, well, sure. Yeah. That, that's, okay. I think, the, the default <laughs> thing. But, but, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I'm not doubtful, but I just, uh, I, there wouldn't be a great reason to do it if I was just making people angry or annoying them or something like that. So I'm very excited at the potential for having discussions with, yeah. with people that, that are valuable. Um, and, and I hope they're valuable. Absolutely agree. And that's our hope is to have a shared discussion amongst uh, you know, all the people in the greater JavaScript slash front end slash web community and a place where it's like the water cooler. That's why we want to do a live show. We want to have interaction with the chat room um, because there's, there's more people adding to the show than just the three panelists or in some cases, maybe four panelists who happen to have microphones that day. Um, but one of the reasons why I'm so excited, Alex, to have you on is because Michael has convinced me that you are excellent at argument, arguing with him. And oh, so yeah. I like, no. I love a good debate <laughs> and I love, and I, and I think we all do. And so I think we'll have, uh, not just a shared discussion, but hopefully, you know, some entertaining discourse as well. Um, as, as I hear, you're pretty good at taking the uh, other side of the argument or regardless of what it is that Michael has to say that day. Is that, is that the case? Um, I'm sure that's how Michael would portray it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a pastime of mine to, uh, I, I would say keep Michael honest. Uh, I'm sure he would say always take the other side no matter what. But uh, Michael it actually has cleaned up his act quite a bit. But if you go back three or, three or so years on his Twitter, he was always just saying the most asinine <laughs> stuff. <laughs> just to, I don't, I don't even know. He, just the fluff, the, the feathers yeah, or something like that? He, exactly. Wow. Uh, and so Ruffle I always... Feathers. I was, as someone who knew Michael and knew that uh, he wouldn't, he would know that it was coming from a place of love. I took it upon myself to to try to call out uh, anything I thought was potentially, uh, let's say, unfair. Mm. 
so so Michael and I uh, go go back a long time of of comfortable but heated discourse. So yeah, I sent. Now that you say that, that that is also a very exciting aspect of this. <laughs> we, the the in the past like year or so, we've tended to agree on a lot of stuff. So it maybe it hasn't been on the forefront of my mind, but I'm sure if if you bring up some topics, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll have some different opinions. Yeah. So if you had a he's a char- he's softening char- in his age, I think. <laughs> if but. you had to characterize your perspective, just with regard to front end and the browser. Um, you know, progressive enhancement, uh, graceful degradation. Are you a single page app? Do you believe in frameworks? Do you not believe in frameworks? Just give us a taste of, you know, where, where Alex stands in the, uh, some of the hot topics in the front end, at least. Uh, I'm definitely a pragmatist when it comes to most things. I have strong opinions about how things should be done and they don't necessarily line up with how I do things. Um, and, hmm. and I think that's, good good to it to an extent right like i would love to make everything 100 percent accessible and super fast and and sometimes you give up those things I, I think it's very important to know what you're giving up to make those conscious decisions rather than make them like not caring decisions or whatever but uh i feel very strongly that accessibility is extremely important and fight for it at stripe and i feel very strongly that performance is something that it's very easy to say, oh, well, we're not performant right now and people love our thing and, and they don't realize like how much better it could be. And, and so it's very easy to ignore those types of things because it's like, oh, well, no one complains that they can't use our app uh, because it's not keyboard accessible or whatever. Um, and that's because they can't use our app. So they just went and used something else. Um, or it's like, oh, we, we like same with mobile um, support. It's like, well, we don't get any hits from mobile. Um, it's like, well, uh, <laughs> that's because no one can use the website <laughs> on their phone. Kind of self, self-fulfilling <laughs> exactly. kind of thing. So no to. it's a bad experience. I, I both am aware of those types of, um, you know, gotchas, but, but I also understand that like, uh, like getting something out there and shipping something and, and just having a product at all that some people can use, it can often be. Uh, a good start to something that you can eventually have all those uh, all those other things on. So it it doesn't necessarily, even though I feel very strongly about those things, I won't necessarily like be mad at someone for not doing them much. Uh, I, the only reason I kind of bring that up is is if someone ships anything that doesn't have any or, or every single feature or, or every single you know important topic uh, imbued into its uh, you know core. Uh, mm-hmm. and and implemented perfectly then someone is outraged and and uh, you know outrage is fine or whatever but it's just i understand the trade-offs so so i guess that's a preface to to all my opinions is that i i feel strongly that th- these things are right but i understand the need to sometimes skip them temporarily uh or you know something might die before i ever get to it but so so I come from a big performance background. That's what I worked on a bunch at Bizarre Voice and at Stripe uh, early on. A, a lot of the performance I worked on at Stripe has been in like build processes and things like that, though. So not necessarily the same same thing. I wrote uh, an article a while back and ran a conference called Front End Ops. Um, it's on Smashing Mag. Uh, th- there are now like a resume or like a job 
postings on like Stack Overflow for a front end operations engineer, which is kind of cool. That I, I mean, not that I like, I took two words that already existed and just said them next to each other, but, but it, it kind of links to the, the articles up. and stuff. Yeah. Mashup. There you go. Um, and so, so a lot of the work I do is actually in the front end operations world. It's less like writing the end, um, end like UIs these days. And a lot of it's the infrastructure parts or the build tooling or the measurement, um, or internationalization, things like that. So, so a lot of my, or, or measuring performance is, is another part of, uh, front end operations. I guess uh, single-page apps, um, there's a big war if you can even call something a single-page app or, you know, something's document versus app-based. Um, sure. And I don't really care uh, what you call it. Um, I think server rendering um, is a good solution for lots of uh, pages that, that people talk about, you know, anything that you're going to read or you'd want to be SEO'd. But uh, for things like as soon as you add a login and put something behind a login, um, the, the need for server render, like, do I need to server render my SVG graphs, uh, or like the lists of customers in the Stripe dashboard or something like that? Um, like no one hits that page from, like, no one hits the customers list page from the server. It's always navigated. To, I don't know. I think there are so many trade-offs that it's silly to say, like, if you're not server rendering, you're doing something wrong. Like measure, measure the actual experience rather than uh, the technology behind it. And as long as the experience is good, then I really don't care uh, what the implementation is. Um, I single page, yes, single page apps and, uh, Progressive enhancement. I'm I'm a pretty big proponent of progressive enhancement. Um, I think more so than some of my uh, colleagues at Stripe. Stripe does really awesome uh, like landing pages and and things for new products that we do, and those are like designer led things. and And I think they're cutting edge, uh, and so it would be silly to kind of progressively enhance some of them. Um, but I, I very I feel pretty strongly that that. Things should work for everybody, even on crappy connections. And I try to advocate for that. Um, but I also understand when. I also understand the trade-offs. I guess it's, it's yeah. the same same thing. You're a pragmatist. You said before, yeah. right? Yeah. So so I I guess I agree with everyone who are the purists, mm. but I don't. My actions don't always um, don't always fall in line with those things based on other constraints. So. Yeah. I believe very strongly in the idea of the web and links in openness and open source in all that stuff. And I try whenever possible to embody all those things. Um, but I think worrying too much about uh, how pure you are in those regards, as long as you don't, you know, slowly drift off into terribleness, uh, you know, slippery slopes yeah. and, and such. Right. Right. Um, but, but I feel like, um, we liked to talk in lots of blacks and whites and, and, um, and we live in a, a world that's gray. Yeah. 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 So, um, I don't know. That's a little bit of a cop out answer, but I'm sure we'll hear more from you over the next several episodes and see how true this is for you. Plus the nice thing about conversations is you can always represent the purist in a conversation because the real world constraints aren't necessarily in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, so that'll be fun. But, uh, that kind of leads us into our next question for you. When you mentioned you believe in the openness and links and like the web fundamentals, what's your favorite thing about JS or about the web platform? 
um, the accessibility of of everything I think is is kind of the not necessarily in the like uh, uh, handy capable sense or whatever the just the fact that there's no app store there's no it's, it's federated it's it's fully open the specs are open uh, people can kind of break away from those things you know like like pragmatist pragmatism wise like browsers can kind of do their own thing a little bit and see if other people will want to go along that path rather than do some pure like all right let's sit down and with the specs organization for the next three years and try to figure out how we want to do x y or z like I, I like i like how the web moves forward it's slower than the proprietary platforms but i mm-hmm. think it's outlasted every single one of them by triple at this point um and and you even see with the ios uh, uh app store and stuff like that if the the 10 most popular apps of 2016 were made by three companies or something like that so so, so the world where where young uh or you don't have to be young and don't be ageist uh where new and uh inexperienced people can have a good idea and break through like the web is still just leaps and bounds above every other ecosystem um and the fact that everything is open and all the tooling uh can be open it's just it's such a welcoming wide space where there's room for everybody um and mm-hmm. uh and and I really appreciate that. And I think that's one of the reasons why it, even though it moves more slowly than other platforms, uh, and I think those platforms are necessary to the growth of the web. Like when the web was winning 100%, it didn't grow at all. Like no, the, the languages didn't get any better. The features didn't get any better. I mean, partially Microsoft's fault, but the uh, when other things started competing with it, like that's when people were like, oh, we need to get like, uh, external device things into the navigator object so we can do the same things as apps. Um, and that's a driving yeah. force, but, but I think, uh, the ecosystem of the web, uh, is, is more open and welcoming and harder to use, um, and more frustrating, but, um, ultimately like the, the best, the best real output of, of kind of what we can do, you know, like the, it's mm-hmm. the, pragmatists uh, platform, I guess, uh, in some regards. Yeah. I mean, you'll get probably both mine and Adam's amen on that. I think the, the lack of, you know, having to ask someone's permission in order to do a thing and the, the platform that allows you to just set up shop and start a business without, you know, having to have some sort of gatekeepers uh, permission is, is a powerful thing. On the yep. flip side of that, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Uh, and you said it's frustrating, but what's your least favorite thing then? Least favorite thing? Um, Safari, <laughs> like pe- people who don't do Jared's it right, I guess. browser. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. I Safari, uh, all uh, like, yeah. uh, cool. Uh, the, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the, uh, I think it's actually pronounced Safari. Uh, the, the people who, take from the web but don't give back to the web or, or th- things like safari it's not safari itself safari is pretty good because apple's so currently good at what they do that it, it ends up not mattering a whole bunch but anytime the web tries to innovate and safari doesn't agree then they can almost always automatically stifle that innovation and that is really upsetting to me things like service workers that like the whole web is behind and just no one knows 
whether Safari intends on doing it or not, or whether they think it'll cannibalize their other marketplaces. That's just really frustrating to me because um, they they very much profit from the web um, and they don't necessarily give back in, in the ways that I'd want them to. They always give back in the ways that help their other platforms, uh, which can be sometimes extremely useful, but uh, also not friendly to to open openness. Uh, this is a little meta, but are you a listener of requests for commits? Uh, not currently. Not currently. So there's one episode since you're on that subject you've got to listen to. Like it, it has to be something you do this afternoon. Sure. It's the one called Funding the Web with Brendan Ike. Okay. And you will never get more of a historical background to Funding the Web than you will ever get from that roughly a little over an hour. I think it's 74 minutes long based on the, the timestamp here. That's, that's the good one there. Brendan is, is an old JSConf speaker and a TXJS speaker, and we've done the speaker circuit together, so I may have heard a, a lot of uh, that information uh, firsthand uh, before, um, but I, I'll, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely go listen to it. Well, listen to it, and then you can tell us how much yeah. of it you are. How knew. accurate is it? Yeah. Yeah. How in the know yeah. are you, Alex? Yeah, I, right. I'd be interested. On that note then, um, you know, when we look at the future of this show, we asked you a couple of questions like, you know, where do you stand on certain controversial issues? What are your favorite and least favorite things about the web, JavaScript, things like that? But I'm kind of curious on what particular topics you may be excited to talk about in the near future. Uh, current, current stuff? Uh, yeah. Um, I think <laughs> well, we've been, service workers have been around for a while, but that kind of world of the web is very interesting. Um, I also do like a lot of, work on a large application at a company where people use something a lot. So frameworks are something that I think that Rachel and Michael are a little less interested in and that I have some experience about. And, and there, there tends to be a revolution every two or three years. So we're kind of due a uh, fiber could mm-hmm. be it in react or whatever. And, um, I'm, I'm also a pragmatist when it comes to choosing libraries. There, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of hype around React, and React is amazing and great. I think I introed uh, Tomachino and Pete Hunt at JSConf before they announced it, uh, whenever it got like a terrible, terrible uh, reception from everybody. So I feel partially responsible. Um, but like there are trade-offs to, to, like React is super hyped, but like if you want something that already has a fully baked ecosystem and build tooling and all that kind of stuff, like you can't beat Ember for, for that. Um, you have other trade-offs like file size and, and, and things. And, and then also like people reach for React and, and, uh, and like they need the modification of the on-change event that, that React does. And that's the only thing they're using in the entire library. And so kind of back to a world where uh, maybe people are reaching for libraries that are too big. So I, I'm interested in into where this goes. There's currently like Preact and... Uh, and a few other ones that are like tiny versions mm-hmm. of it. And there Inferno. are now. Yeah, there are versions of things where, where people want um, some of this to be baked, you know, the Dom diffing to be baked into a browser specification, like all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm very interested to see where uh, the frameworks world goes, even if uh, uh, I'm not necessarily writing any frameworks currently. Um, what else? Uh, I do. I don't know. Build tooling is also something I, I care a lot about that I think we're due for another revolution on. 
So I, I don't know how much people care about that, but uh, things like Webpack and and uh, those systems. I, I was a, a contributor to Require JS back in the day uh, with with James Burke. Uh, I mean, James Burke did ninety nine point nine 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 percent of it. I added a little bit to the spec on behalf of the jQuery team, but that's since been mostly dead. Uh, and now uh, Node is working on implementing ES6 modules in an asynchronous way, which is kind of full circle, um, which is fine. Um, I mean, those those two things, I guess, are pretty boring uh, frameworks and uh, build tools. But that's probably why Michael uh, had had chose me for for those opinions because it weren't necessarily represented between. Uh, him with node stuff and Rachel with the robotics and, and stuff. Right. Well, you, you would be surprised because if we went back and look at our stats on the change log over the last couple of years, two of our biggest shows have been one react and two most recently was Webpack two. So people love hearing about those topics, mm-hmm. even though sure. if you may have to convince Michael and Rachel to talk about them. But. <laughs> oh that's, yeah. <laughs> There's enough drama to where they'll, they'll come up naturally. I think the, Yes. The the third thing I'd I'd say um that, that maybe isn't represented but uh also is underrepresented in total is uh kind of web security, which I do a lot of uh help with at Stripe. Um and uh, I'm a I I spoke a bunch the past two years on content security policy and kind of uh trying to help people write secure applications. I think a lot of the frameworks are are moving in directions that help people do that a lot, but it's still a very sad and dangerous world out there and i'd like I'd, I'd like to advocate for those technologies as well can't wait so i guess uh, to wrap up let's figure out maybe your perspective on who you think might listen to the show so each host kind of brings their own perspective their own uh as we've already talked about in in this kind of preliminary show but kind of curious who you think might should listen to this show so anybody out there you can even name a name if you know particularly somebody who's like this would be a great listener or a style of a listener? Who do you think should listen to this show? Sure. I mean, they have to be able to put up with a lot. Uh, you have to be patient and uh, <laughs> not dislike Michael too much. Uh, so You're we're down audience. To, yeah, we're down to like maybe 10 to 15 people or so. <laughs> you could also hate listen, though. I think that audience could be quite large. Um, no, no, I, I think uh, if if you're someone who... Like if you're the class of person who has a Twitter account but can't keep up with every possible uh, piece of drama or doesn't care to, wants it distilled down. If you're someone who likes uh, like the newsletters that come once a week that says, here's what happened in CSS this week. I think uh, if you also drive to work, then th- this could be a good um, compromise. Uh, and, and also possibly like if, if you're only interested in Currently, a single section. You're coming in from Node or Robotics. It could also be good to kind of reach out your mind into to the other sections and find the cross sections between you and the other kind of portions of the community. Um, so, so mm-hmm. I, I think anyone's a potentially good listener. I don't. I don't think we're precluding too many people. I, I hope we're not. But um, also, you've heard me talk for the last hour, so you, you have to you have to be a certain type of person to be able to 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 fully enjoy my mumbles. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're great. I think uh, we we've teased on the call with Michael, which listeners will be able to go back and listen to. But we teased about putting out the pilot episode you all recorded, which I thought was really great. Actually, 
I mean, I was excited about the show, but once I heard that pilot between the three of y'all and how well you had chemistry already in terms of just like being able to uh, argue with Michael or share an opinion or uh, share how you weren't very clued into a certain area or whatever, just the, the honesty and the, the conversation came from was really, uh, really cool for me. So I'm excited to, to put that out there for everybody, but I was personally excited based on that pilot. So we'll see if we can put it out for sure. Cause we've teased it enough that we have to kind of do it now. Cool. Yeah. I didn't know the plan was to not put that out. So there you go. Oh, news to you. <laughs> news to you. Yeah. Right, well, we'll Surprise. To, we might ship it. <laughs> we, we might ship it. Oh no, the opposite is what I said. I didn't know the plan wasn't to, I thought that was going to go out. So you should ship right. it. Right. Right. So I was saying it's surprised that we might actually do what you already yeah, thought okay, that we were okay. going to do in the first place. Gotcha. gotcha. Well, Alex, I mean, I'm excited, man. Thank you so much for this time today to kind of kick off things for you and just share your portion of the story as, as you bring to this show. And thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you having me. All right. That was Alex Sexton giving us his backstory behind the scenes of who he is, what he cares about and what he hopes to bring to the show. And as you can tell, he's quite opinionated and also quite funny. So tune in live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Once again, changelaw.com slash jsparty. Subscribe. Don't miss a show. Also head to changelaw.com slash community. Sign up, get access to Slack, and make sure you're in the JS Party channel every Friday when we do the show live. And thanks for listening.